Welcome back, or welcome if you are a new listener to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we are excited to introduce the next drama we will be discussing. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com with any comments or feedback. This podcast is in English, but with proper nouns and historical phrases said in Mandarin Chinese. The drama we are now discussing is or The Story of Minglan. The reason we picked this drama to discuss is because it presents many interesting opportunities for us to talk about Chinese culture and history. It is one of those rare dramas in the last few years that is not only a great drama to watch, but also one that is incredibly dedicated in presenting us with a more accurate depiction of Song Dynasty history and culture. That is primarily what we are interested in exploring and discussing for this podcast. As we have done for Empresses in the Palace, Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, for this drama, we will go through each episode and pick out the interesting pieces of history and culture presented in that episode for further discussion. It is a fun exercise for us because I feel like we're learning a lot, and also we get to talk about our thoughts and relate it to present day. In today's podcast episode, we will first provide an explanation of the historical backdrop the story is set in and then discuss more about the drama itself, the main characters, the actors and actresses, and then any interesting facts about the production. The show first aired in December 2018 and became one of the highest rated shows of the year for 2019. I remember following the show when it first came out, literally chasing every episode. So I, along with Karen, are super excited to discuss the story of Minglan. The drama is based off of a book, and I actually read the book, so throughout our discussions of the drama, I'll point out my thoughts on differences and similarities between the book and the show. A key disclaimer here is that we are not professors or academic scholars. We are simply Chinese history and Chinese drama fans looking to discuss the drama and the history presented in the show. For today's episode, much of the Chinese history comes from a book by Yu Wei called Song Shi that goes over Song Dynasty history in detail. And see, for all of you listeners, we actually went out and not only read the original book the drama was based on, but also bought actual Chinese history books to better fact check. Still, we recommend continuing your own research on the topics we present, and uh, please let us know if there's anything you want us to cover while we discuss the drama. Now, without further ado, let's get started on some history. This drama is set in the Northern Song Dynasty, or Bei Song, which existed between 960 AD to 1127 AD, and was founded by the soldier Zhao Kuangyin, and thus, the ruling family had the last name of Zhao, and they were Han people. The capital city of the Northern Song Dynasty was Bianliang, which is modern-day Kaifeng in Henan province. I'm going to have a quip about the capital city. It has a bunch of names referenced throughout the drama, and I was so confused watching it. This drama does a great job referencing history, so I actually got lost 
watching the show a few times because sometimes they'll reference the capital city as Bianliang, but also Dongjing or else Kaifengfu. I think the English translations will just call it Bianliang or the capital city, which makes it easier for English readers. But certainly when I was watching the show, I got really confused. The Song Dynasty came to existence after a splintered period in Chinese history called the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms. The founding emperor, Zhao Kuangyin, came from humble origins as a soldier. He started his military career at just 20 years old and worked his way up the ranks serving the Zhou Emperor Chai Rong. At 32, Zhao Kuangyin was already the top military official for the Zhou Emperor. When the Zhou Emperor passed, the throne went to his young son, who was only seven at the time. Zhao Kuangyin took this opportunity and incited a relatively painless coup where he requested, <clears throat> forced, the young emperor to abdicate the throne. The young emperor had no real power to stop this coup and acquiesced to Zhao Kuangyin's request in 960 AD. Thus, the Song Dynasty was founded. Over the next several years, he worked to defeat the remaining kingdoms in the mainland for a unified empire. In total, during the Northern Song Dynasty, there were nine emperors. In 1127, another group, the Jin Dynasty of Jurchen people, who used to be part of the Liao Dynasty, headed south and invaded the Song capital city. The Jurchen ransacked the capital city and captured the emperor and his father. The remaining Song court fled south and created a southern Song dynasty. Seven emperors ruled during the southern Song dynasty, while the Jin dynasty took over the northern territories. The Song dynasty came to an end in 1279 due to the invasion of the Mongols. Interestingly, the main adversaries for the first half of the Song dynasty was actually the Liao Empire to the north. If anyone wants to watch a drama about this period, watch The Legend of Xiao Chuo or Yan Yuntai with Tiffany Tang that just aired at the end of 2020. It's an okay drama, but it does give some perspective on this group of people, and they are the Qidan or Kitan people. Despite several attempts to conquer the Liao dynasty, the Song dynasty was not able to do so, and historically Han territories of places like Hebei province and present-day Beijing or Beijing were left to the Liao for decades. There was also the Xia people and the Dali people amongst several others to the west and south of the Song Dynasty, and they were constant threats. By landmass, the Song Dynasty is actually considered one of the smallest dynasties to rule a unified area uh, in Chinese history. Despite this, the Northern Song Dynasty enjoyed great economic prosperity in its earlier years, as well as scientific and artistic growth. It is considered one of the most prosperous dynasties in Chinese history, and one of the reasons for this was the heavy emphasis on academics and scholars instead of military prowess. Given the lessons learned when Zhao Kuangyin came to power, he recognized the threat of military power. His own coup was successful because he had immense military might, and recognizing this gap, he sought to prevent others from inciting a coup against him. 
So the Song Dynasty sought to decrease and decentralize military power. This is not to say that the Song Dynasty did not have a military, but the focus for the dynasty was definitely more on academics and civil servants. Scholar officials, or what the Chinese call wenguan, were held in extremely high regard in this dynasty, more so than most other dynasties in Chinese history, and they held posts that were previously occupied by military officials. A key aspect of the expansion of scholar officials, or wenguan, is the expansion and standardization of the imperial examination, or kuju. While the imperial examination has existed for many centuries, the number of individuals selected to become these civil servants or these uh, scholar officials was rather small. In the late Tang dynasty, the unified dynasty before the Song dynasty, there were only about 10 people selected to enter service after each exam. In the Song dynasty, the peak was around 1,000 plus people entering service per year. Of course, that was overkill, and it later normalized to around 1 to 200 people in later years. Due to the focus on Confucius teachings and academics, many schools were set up across the country in order to train for these examinations. In this drama, the story of Minglan, the imperial examination plays an integral role in the lives of the main characters, and therefore we will definitely be discussing this topic more in the future. This focus on the academics also brought about generations of masters for the Song dynasty that are incredibly well-known even today. In particular, under the fourth Song dynasty emperor Zhao Zhen or Song Renzong's rule, you had the likes of Fan Zhongyan, Su Shi, and Ouyang Xiu. Many of their writings are still revered today. And those are just a few of the very famous scholars that existed during the Song Dynasty. If anyone is looking for a drama on Song Dynasty history, this one that came out last year called The Serenade of Peaceful Joy, or Qingpingyue, describes in great detail the life of the famous Song Dynasty emperor Song Renzong and his subjects. It stars Wang Kai as the emperor, and fans of Nirvana in Fire, or Lang Yabang, will remember him as Jing Wang from that show. My recommendation is to only focus on the history portion of the drama and the first half of the show because it gets very depressing at the end. It does a great job of depicting the emperor's life and many of these important servants and scholars, but it isn't a drama I'd go back to watch. This drama that we're talking about the story of Minglan is also set during this emperor's rule. So that places us at around 1050 or so AD at the beginning of the drama. Song Renzong is the longest reigning Song dynasty emperor, ruling for a full 41 years, which brought about stability and prosperity to the empire. However, he did not have any surviving sons, and thus his throne went to his adoptive son. The contention for the throne is a key conflict for this drama. In the last drama we discussed, Empresses and the Palace, the emperor's father, Kangxi, had too many sons, which caused the sons to fight over the throne. In this drama, the emperor does not have any surviving sons, which led to the royal male family members fighting against each other for the title of crown prince and the legal successor to the throne.
Before going on to discuss the drama, let me introduce you to Li Qingzhao. She is the one who wrote the line which this drama is named after. Because actually, Zhi Fou, Zhi Fou, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou, on the face of it, is a very interesting title. We actually talked about her before in our discussion of Empresses in the Palace. Li Qingzhao is a Song Dynasty female poet, one of the most famous in history and perhaps the most famous female poet in Chinese history. Born in 1084 AD, she came from a family of scholar officials and she was very well educated. During her lifetime, she was well known in various circles for her talented writings. Despite being a ubiquitous writer, many of her writings, though, were lost to history. She lived a pretty long life, dying at the age of 70 or 71 in 1155 AD, after having experienced the fall of the Northern Song Dynasty capital to the Jurchens and fleeing her home to Hangzhou, where the Southern Song Dynasty established themselves. So let's talk about this title. The original ci, or a form of essay where this title is from, is called Ru Meng Ling. It was written by Li Qingzhao when she was younger. The full form is only 33 words and is as such in Mandarin Chinese. My rough translation of this poem is this. Last night it rained, and the deep sleep does not remove the last of the liquor. Questioning the curtain raiser, who says that the begonia flowers are still there. Does she know? Does she know? There should be more green than red. On the surface, this poem is about flowers. The flower observer is lamenting the fact that the flowers are going to wash away after an evening of rain and was therefore drinking liquor to ease that pain. When she awakens from her deep sleep, despite the liquor, her first thought is to ask of the flowers. Though the curtain raiser maid says the flowers are still there, she knows that there are more green leaves than red flowers now. This poem is evoking the author's helplessness at the inevitable. Those flowers are now gone and will not be coming back. The author is also able to observe this tragedy while her maid does not notice anything amiss, which speaks to the author's attention to detail and her loneliness that others cannot share her sentiment. The original book that the drama was based on was simply called Shunu Minglan Zhuan, or The Legend of Minglan. Typically, when you use the word Zhuan, it's more about legend. Um, the English translation is now The Story of Minglan, and I think it's more apt. I also think that the writers made the correct choice to rename the drama with the title of Zhifou, Zhifou, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou, because it conveys the main character's journey throughout her life, and it is set in the same dynasty as the drama. The translation that Karen provided is quite somber, but in this drama, the main character, due to her situation as not being born from the wife, has to fight through adversity and challenges posed by society in the ways that she can, through intellect, 
and perseverance. She is not the bright red begonia, but the green leaves that will flourish in the end. The author first began publishing chapters online in 2010 and completed the book uh, near the end of 2012. The book, Shu Nu Ming Lan Zhuan, set off a wave of similar novels and stories that focused on Shu Chu or children not born from the main wife. As you'll see in the drama, social hierarchy and constructs were rigid in Imperial China, and it was especially difficult for women not born from the wife to find a place in the world. The main character in the book is actually a time traveler. She's a young woman working as a legal secretary and uh, wakes up to find herself in the body of Sheng Minglan after suffering an accident in present day. This is a super popular trope in Chinese novels. I personally don't like this genre very much or anymore because it gives the main character basically supernatural powers to deal with issues. Okay, not supernatural powers, but the main characters will use modern day solutions or have modern day thoughts when dealing with issues. I think it's kind of a cop out, but hey, if this was real life, literally every main character would have died a thousand times over. Just look at what happened to the ladies in Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. The book also isn't clear what time period the story is set in. The author noted that she set her world in a random time period with customs similar to those of the Ming Dynasty. The drama, the TV show here, is of course set in the Song Dynasty, which brings us back to why the name is actually very apt for the show. Now that we've provided some context from a historical perspective and also introduced the title of this drama, let's introduce the two main leads. There are tons of characters in this drama, but we will talk about these first two folks. The drama revolves around the life of Sheng Minglan, the sixth daughter and Shu Chu daughter of a concubine of the Sheng family from when she was a young girl. She is portrayed by Zhao Liying, or Zanilia Zhao. Zhao Liying is one of the most popular Chinese actresses today in the Chinese entertainment business. I would say she is quite distinguished in her background as she did not come from a well-known school like the Beijing Film Academy. Instead, she has a much more humble background and through her tenacity built an incredible career. I was first introduced to her in the new Huanzhu Gogo or the new My Fair Princess that came out around 2011, where she played the princess Qing Er. The entire drama was trash, but she was certainly the highlight. If there's anyone that I remember from that drama, it was Zhao Liying. From there, she has been in many well-known dramas such as The Legend of Lu Jin, a story about the first female prime minister, and this drama really helped her gain more widespread recognition. The Journey of Flower, or Hua Tian Gu, Noble Aspirations, Qing Yun Zhi, and most popularly, Chu Tiao Zhuan, or Princess Agents. This past week, her latest drama, Yo Fei, just finished airing, or The Legend of Fei. She is considered by many in the business to be a guaranteed ratings draw. Of the dramas I've just named, I think all of them were the highest watched drama when airing or else also had very strong ratings. The story of Minglan though is probably my favorite drama of hers. It really showcases her acting abilities as there's no special effects 
or martial arts that she has to do here. She gets to show her strength in a way that doesn't require her to wield a sword, and I think that's incredibly powerful. Next up is the male lead of the drama, Gu Tingye, played by Feng Shaofeng. Gu Tingye in the drama is the second son of the Marquis of Ningyuan, or Ningyuanhou. He is an intelligent man, but is a bit of a rake early in the drama. Through different trials and tribulations, he and Sheng Milan finally marry and try to keep a loving relationship whilst balancing all the different factions within their households and court. Feng Shaofeng has been in the entertainment industry for a long while. I was first introduced to him in a drama with Ruby Lin called Boy and Girl. That drama came out in the early 2000s. I absolutely loved that show, but he was a cheating asshole there, so watch it for Ruby Lin instead of for him. Feng Shaofeng gained a ton of popularity after starring in the drama Gong Suo Xinyu or Palace in 2011 alongside Yang Mi. He was in Prince of Lanling or Lanling Wang alongside Ariel Lin or Lin Yichen in 2013. That was decent. Over the years, he has had a bit of a reputation of being a playboy because he did have several high-profile relationships over the years. However, Zhao Liying and Feng Shaofeng are actually now married in real life. They married in October 2018 and Zhao Liying gave birth to their first son in March 2019. This was a super high-profile announcement because, well, she is one of the most famous TV actresses in China and he is quite popular too. It was quite a surprise to everyone because both parties didn't acknowledge anything until they just posted their marriage certificate. I remember the web sort of went crazy over this bombshell. The two had actually known each other for many years even before they started dating because they've acted in other dramas and films together too, including Suo Qingqiu or Love Tribulations way back in 2009. The two have great chemistry in this drama, and I think it's one of the reasons why I love watching it. They can be really sweet, and it doesn't seem as contrived or fake as some other popular romance or idol dramas can be. It feels very comforting to watch. The last piece of information about the show today is that the show was produced by Zhengwu Yangguang, or Daylight Productions. They have a very good reputation in the Chinese entertainment industry having produced smash hits such as Nirvana in Fire or Lang Ya Bang, Ode to Joy, Huan Le Song, as well as Dou Ting Hao in recent years. The company did have a few duds rating-wise, such as Qing Ping Yue or Serenade of Peaceful Joy that I mentioned earlier, but the production values and acting have all been top-notch. It's really competitive these days to star in one of the shows produced by this company. If you need recommendations on shows to watch, check out the ones that we've just mentioned. They're all quite good. Another reason why I really liked this drama, or dramas produced by Daylight Productions, is because there are no or few voice dubs. You will see that Zhao Liying and Feng Shaofeng and most of the other characters are using their actual voices. This showcases the actors and actresses capabilities in memorizing lines, and I think that's really important. As we mentioned at the end of Empresses in the Palace, there is, I think, voice acting or voice dubbing fatigue, so this was quite the um, refreshing change. And that is our introduction to 
知否知否，应是绿肥红瘦。Or the story of Minglan. Starting in the next podcast episode, we will start with episode one of the story of Minglan and going over not only the plot but also interesting historical references and Chinese cultural references in the show. We're very excited, and as always, if you have any comments or questions, please reach out to us, and we will try to address them either in the podcast or directly to you. We will see you in the next episode.